Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Goins from the Reimagine Schools podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Barbara R. Blackburn. That's right. I got her back. You know, she's a person who's written all those great books about rigor. Well, today we're talking about advocacy. That's right. Her book, Advocacy from A to Z, written with Ronald Williamson and her father, Robert Blackburn. Lots to learn today. Lots to share. Thanks for being here. Enjoy. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Ranked in the top 30 global gurus in education, Barbara has dedicated her life to raising the level of rigor and motivation for professional educators and students alike. What differentiates Barbara's books are her easily executable concrete examples based on decades of experience as a teacher, professor, and consultant. Barbara's dedication to education was inspired in her early years by her parents, Bob and Rose. Her father's doctorate and lifetime career as a professor taught her the importance of professional training. Her mother's career as school secretary shaped Barbara's appreciation of the effort of all staff play in the education of every child. Barbara has taught early childhood, elementary, middle, and high school students and has served as an educational consultant for three publishing companies. She holds a master's degree in school administration and was certified as both a teacher and a school principal in North Carolina. She received her PhD in curriculum and teaching from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. In 2006, she received the award for Outstanding Junior Professor at Winthrop University. She recently left her position at the University of North Carolina at, Charlotte's, at Charlotte to write and speak full-time. In addition to speaking at state, national, and international conferences, she also regularly presents workshops for teachers and administrators in elementary, middle, and high schools. Her workshops are lively and engaging and filled with practical information. A few of her ber- book titles are Rigor Made Easy, Getting Started, Rigorous Schools and Classrooms Leading the Way, Rigor in Your Classroom, A Toolkit for Teachers, Rigor in Your School, A Toolkit for Leaders, Literacy from A to Z, Rigor for Students with Special Needs, Motivating Struggling Learners, 10 Ways to Build Student Success, Rigor is Not a Four-Letter Word, by the way, my favorite title, Rigor and Assessment in the Classroom, Rigor and Differentiation in the Classroom, Rigor in the RTI and MTSS Classroom Practical Tools and Strategies, as well as many, many others, all right? She is a book writing machine. Um, Say hi to everyone, Barbara. Hi, it is great to be here. And boy, you know, that makes it sound like I have way too much time on my hands. <laughs> I, I'm not sure how you managed to knock these out, but they're, they're, they're awesome and they're not little thin books. And it's, uh, it's amazing to me. I mean, we're, I mean, you're at, uh, we were talking uh, off the air about a book that's coming out and I hope they get a chance to talk about soon. And, you know, and she has to think uh, it might be 23, 24, <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's a pretty cool problem to have right there you know (laughs) so so Barbara welcome back Um, today we're going to talk about your book advocacy from A to Z written with Robert Blackburn and Ronald Williamson before we take a look at advocacy Robert Blackburn is your father right yes he is this is very cool could you share a little about him and what it was like writing a book with your father well it was very cool Uh, I I 
have to tell you, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, my dad has always been my role model. Uh, he raised me to believe that girls could do anything. And that was back during the time when girls were sometimes not uh, able to do everything. Uh, I worked for him. He uh, coordinated a swimming pool and I managed it for him and taught swimming lessons. Uh, you know, when I was a teacher, he was always my mentor. Um, I wanted my doctorate in part because he had one. Uh, I just always wanted to do something with him. And people who know both of us, uh, it's really funny because for the longest time, people would say, oh, I can tell you're Bob's daughter. And then there was a day that I was so excited because somebody said, oh, you're Barbara's dad. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. Neat. <laughs> but uh, as much work as he always did, and his work was in health, health education to start with. In North Carolina, he was part of the group that started tobacco-free schools. Uh, he worked with drug abuse prevention. So he worked in health health education for a good while. And uh, then he switched over to public health after he retired, uh, doing a lot of work with boards of health, what makes uh, a board of health uh, effective, uh, all of those kinds of things. And he'd written plenty of articles, but the one thing he had never done was write a book. And so I told him one day, I said, we are going to write a book together. And granted, it took us about five years, but uh, advocacy was really his thing. Um, he just, no matter what he was doing, it was all about advocacy. And uh, Ron and I, Ron writes with me on my leadership books, Ron and I had always written about advocacy as one piece of leadership. And so we really had already been getting feedback that we needed to expand that. And since that was dad's specialty, then uh, that's what we did. And uh, it really has been not only a lot of fun, uh, but a real honor. And uh, he would tell you the funniest thing was when I would correct his writing. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know that I corrected it as much as sometimes I clarified it or extended it a little bit, but I was always able to take his ideas um, and put them in, uh, and again, Ron worked with me on this, to put them in a school setting as opposed to a health setting. I, you know, the, the first thing I thought of when, uh, when I knew that your father wrote it with you, and I don't know your, your parents, I don't know your father, I, but it, all I could think was, if I had to correct my father, and I was writing a book with him, it would, that, I don't think the first time would go over too well. <laughs> well, you know, he is, he is very laid back, and, and he knew that I had written a lot. In fact, when I first started writing, uh, he would read everything I wrote and give nice. me feedback on it. Uh, I mean, every single word I wrote, every single change I made. And that has only changed recently because he is 86 and has Parkinson's. And so we were able to get the book done before that happened. Uh, so I think he just figured turnabout was fair play. <laughs> nice. Nice. The, uh, that's, uh, that's awesome. I, I, I envy you. That's, that's a cool, that's a cool thing to be able to, to write a book with your parents. So that's, uh, that is awesome. So kudos to you. Oh, hey, thank uh, you. Uh, Barbara, typically I think of you and I got to think, I mean, this is, I love this book, but usually what I think of you as is the rigor writer. All right. <laughs> Cause <laughs> just about every book has that word in the, in the title, not all of them, but just about everyone. And, and I mean, that's what most of your books are about. So then it, here we are with a book about advocacy. What inspired this topic? Well, I think there were two things. Uh, when Ron and I write our leadership books, uh, we use a compass model. 
and the A in Compass is advocacy. So we had been writing about advocacy as a key component of school leadership. And so we were already writing about that. And dad had been giving us some input and we would get a lot of questions about, well, can you give me more about advocacy? Uh, generally people want more about everything, but we would specifically get, can you give me a little more about advocacy? You know, what does it mean beyond public relations? And then dad had that expertise and I had already been thinking about writing one with him. So it was sort of a natural blend. Excellent. Excellent. The, uh, you know, and it's, and it's cool because, you know, first of all, I got to say this. I mean, educators were probably our worst. <laughs> this is probably not something we're really good at, uh, or at least we don't realize that we could be good at it and um, tend to avoid it a little bit and stuff like this. And part of it's just talking about and sharing what it is that we know well and talking, you know, talking the talk. I mean, it, you know, walking the talk and talking the talk. And it's, and uh, it's kind of difficult to, uh, um, for some people to envision this. And so, uh, you know, as we get into your book, one of the things I think that's really cool here is that you kind of remind them that you show them how to do this, I guess, is, is my point. Yeah. And I, I think that's very true that, for example, we talk a lot about advocacy. Uh, a lot of the national organizations and state organizations and even international ones talk about advocacy, that that's a real piece. But sometimes there's so much of an emphasis on lobbying that you don't get around to, you know, the everyday things you can do to be an advocate. And uh, I do think that's why we were really specific and, and we have a chapter on lobbying. So, so we do have that, but advocacy is so much more than just lobbying to get an issue, you know, put into law. Excellent. The, uh, you know, and what I want to do is use that as a segue to get into this, which is let's just start delving into the book, which in the beginning of your book, this is stated. Advocacy is a way to systematically press for change. Could you talk just a little bit about this? Sure. Um, you know, change is all about uh, doing something different. Uh, hopefully something to improve things, but it's all about doing something different. And to make that happen, you need other people to come along with you. Um, particularly when it comes to school change, I can't do that by myself. Uh, I need teachers on board. Uh, I may need paraprofessionals on board. Um, I may need parents on board, the school board on board. You know, there's all these people that impact change. And, you know, we can't just make it happen. We can't just tell people to change. And so what, what we really believe passionately is that it's far more Effective to advocate, to really convince people why they should get on board. And I think sometimes we do that and don't realize that's advocacy, uh, but it really is about uh, using good information and using good people skills to get people to come on board with whatever it is you want to change, whether that is increasing rigor or increasing parent participation. Very cool. I know this is, you know, it's funny because in some ways, this is a little bit of an uncomfortable topic, I think, for some educators. Um, you're you're going to kind of pull them out of their, uh, you know, the, the path that they typically follow. And I think this is out of their comfort zone here. So I think this is kind of cool because that's, you know, it, it starts off simply from the beginning. And I think some people would be going, oh, is this for me? <laughs> well, and see, our bias is that everyone is an advocate. Nice. Uh, 
you just, if you're not advocating for what you want, you're advocating for something else. That, it's good stuff. I got it. So as we take a look at your book, one of the things I want to make sure that we do is, uh, you know, it's, it, its name is exactly what it is. It goes from A to Z. And A is for advocacy, G is for gaining support with limited resources, R is resistance to change, Z is zeroing in on the essentials. So hopefully the audience gets the point that you're, you're following the alphabet and uh, you have something specifically that you're going to talk about, like A is for advocacy. So, so do you have a favorite letter? Because I'm going to tell you mine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know that just like asking me what my favorite book is, asking me what my favorite chapter is, oh, come is like on. <laughs> from my kids. But I will tell you, I've got a little bias uh, toward M, which is motivating those around you. Uh, because I think to get anything else to happen, you have to motivate people. And uh, what's interesting is people start going, oh, extrinsic motivation. Do I pay them money? Do I give them a reward? And really what we focus on is intrinsic motivation. Uh, how can you help people see the value of the change and feel successful in the change. And so to me, um, I'm gonna go back to the school board. If I'm gonna advocate to my school board uh, for them to support a change in my school, then I need them to be motivated to do that. And the best way to motivate them is for them to see the value in what I wanna do and for them to feel like they and we can be successful. Excellent, I, you know, I think that's, it's funny because I do understand what you're saying about <laughs> being difficult to choose a favorite, especially since you wrote it. But I think that's a great one to, to choose there. Cause I know, you know, I'm getting ready to talk about a couple of mine, but it was, I, I just had to narrow it down. And as you see, I didn't do too well cause I narrowed it <laughs> down to not one. So, <laughs> um, but good stuff. Cause all of this, it, it fits so well with what, you know, and, and part of it is just us as people, you know, when you're talking about image for motivation, well, you know, one of the things, one, one of my favorite letters is C, which is communication skills. And, you know, it starts off with this statement, communication is central to your role as an advocate. So I'm going to ask you why? Uh, because if you can't communicate your message, nothing else will happen. You cannot help motivate people. You cannot share with them your ideas. You cannot develop a plan. If you can't communicate, you can't do anything that you need to do to be an advocate. And that's so right on the money. I mean, you go, go into all of it, but that's really just it in a nutshell, which is if you can't talk it. There's, there's no one's going to understand what your point is. So uh, good stuff. You know, my, my next one is another favorite is right after that. This is what I meant. I didn't do a good job of narrowing it down too much because I went to D next and I'm like, you know, cause D is actually for designing an advocacy plan and you outlined six steps for creating a plan. Could you share just a little bit about developing a plan? Yeah, uh, it's interesting because what most people want to do is say, you know, we're going to advocate for one-to-one uh, -one technology. And so here's what we're going to do. So they start with the list of steps. And that is not an effective way to develop a plan because it doesn't let you really address all the issues. So we start out with just describing the issue, not just saying, we want one-on-one -on -one technology or one-to-one -one technology, but really describing what that would look like. Um, you know, each student has one or they're available this way, or this is how we're going to deal with uh, students wanting to take them home. It's really describing that whole issue. And then the second thing 
and th this can overlap with, with the description, is to identify the strengths of the program and the challenges of the program. So strengths are it will benefit our students this way, it will help our teachers this way, uh, you know, all of those kinds of things. And then the challenges are, you know, maybe it is, what are we going to do if students need to uh, work at home and they don't have the technology? So you also list the challenges. The money may be a challenge. Uh, resistance from teachers who are not trained. Uh, so you really do those. So then, and this, this is where you really get into the advocacy piece, you identify who you think will be your allies, who's going to be on board with it and help you support it, and who do you think are going to be the opponents? You know, who do you really think is going to fight against it no matter what? Because that always happens. You know, you're always going to have at least one who's going to fight against it. And then you do your goals and objectives. So I've really looked at uh, where we are, uh, what are our positives and negatives, not only with the initiative, but with people. Now I'm going to make sure that I know what my goal is. And then I'm going to develop strategies. So developing and implementing strategies is step five. So there's a lot to do before that. And then, of course, six is you monitor and adjust as you go. But I think sometimes we jump to the what steps are we going to follow because that's easy. You know, we're going to buy the technology. We're going to offer training in August. You know, we're going to do these things. And really, if you start there, you, uh, you may or may not be successful, but you have a better likelihood of being successful if you back up and do the other things. That's good stuff. I mean, you know, and it's funny. <clears throat> One of the things I want to make sure that I point, point out there is getting back to something you said is that uh, I, I think as you create your plan and you follow those steps, one of the things that it helps you do is, is do kind of think through what possibilities are there. And one of them, one of my, one of my favorites that's right there in the middle is understanding who the ones are that are, you know, what they're, the, the people are going to fight you on it. And, uh, and to be the most difficult. And what's funny is that while you were saying it, I had this vision in my mind of that a lot of times, uh, these are the people that also appear in the, sometimes they appear in the beginning that they're actually on board with you mm -hmm. <laughs> and they end up not being, and you almost need to be somebody who has a little bit of training in, uh, uh, you know, human psychology to, <laughs> to get a little better understanding of that, but good stuff. I, uh, you know, one of my next letters that I want to make sure that we delved into is, uh, is R, which is resistance to change, which I think fits perfectly with what we were just talking about. Um, why, is it a, why do you think it's important to understand why people resist change? Um, because it's the only way you're going to help them change. Uh, if you <laughs> want them on board, if you, if you don't understand why they're resistant, then uh, you're never going to be able to change their minds. And um, it's interesting because one of the things that uh, we actually do is, is take Maslow's hierarchy, you know, which has certainly been around for a long time, but we do it as a chart and we give uh, examples of employee needs, uh, meaning your teachers uh, and staff versus examples of parent needs. So if we, for example, uh, start near the bottom with survival needs, because we all know if you don't meet survival needs, you can't even get to the next one. Uh, your teachers are thinking, am I going to continue to have a job? Uh, am I going to have the skills for the job? Uh, will I have uh, sufficient and appropriate materials? And so that's where they're coming there. Now, if you work your way up, and I'm not going to do every one, but I'm going to do some of them. The next one, security needs. And I, and I tell you, I see this one all the time. So this is where you have a teacher who says, where will I be working? 
where will my room be located? What will my work look like? Who's making the decisions that I have to follow? And I hear that one all the time because teachers really, if their room's not set up at the beginning of the year, they don't want to be in professional development. Right. And I've been the one doing that training a lot. And, and that's, that's a tough place to be. Now, if you move on up, you've got like the need for knowledge, which is where your professional development comes in to teach them that. Uh, and then all the way at the top, the self-actualization, the aesthetic need is where they're attending to the needs of students first but they're not going to get there unless you've done all these other things. That's good stuff. Cause that's, and it, understanding that is so important because if you don't get it, then you really don't know where you might be able to, you know, allay some of the fears or reduce some of the tension or the stress simply by however you approach some things. If you understand a little bit more about if, if really the only reason why they're resisting your change is because, and the because is really, you know, it, it's just something you got to address as opposed to, you know, something hidden or some agenda or something like this. It's amazing how sometimes, you know, that's, it's just that little thing, whatever it is, but it's big to them. <laughs> and um, one of the other pieces I particularly like in this chapter, and you know this well, because you see my other books, lots of charts and tables. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> because it makes it easy to read. Um, yes. And we're not burying the most important parts. And one of the charts toward the end is helpful ideas for communicating when conflict is present. And it's a list of about 15 ideas. So that if you are dealing with conflict, it's things like focus on the present, not what has been or might be. Explain, don't defend. Uh, be sensitive to nonverbal clues. Um, discourage preaching and teaching behaviors. So, uh, you know, all the way through, there are things like that. Uh, I just find that one particularly helpful in that chapter. Uh, that's excellent. That's a, that's a great, there's, there's so much helpful. Um, boy, that's terrible English. What I was about to say. <laughs> so it's, it's great. Uh, great grammar there, Steve, the uh, just incredible resources there, which actually that's a nice segue into my next question, which is what, you know, one of the things that I love is that, uh, you know, like your books written about rigor, you have an easy to read and use style and format. Um, and so before we get into some of the resources that are also in there, could you share a little bit about, you know, how a reader of advocacy from A to Z would use it? Um, you know what? They can use it however they want to. It's designed so that you can start with any chapter. So it's really uh, needs based. So um, if you need help because you have limited resources, uh, that's chapter G, gaining support li limited resources. Maybe you're working with social media and you don't feel like that's effective. That's keys to social media. Uh, maybe you feel like you are new and you need to network. That's chapter N. Um, so, you know, and I love T, which is time, friend, or foe. So I, I really do have a hard time picking one. But what I like best is you go in and pick what you want. Uh, it's not a straight read through. And each chapter is a standalone and it's pretty short. So, it's not that different from reading, I'd say a long article. So, you know, you can read it. There's questions in there to help you process. There are references to other chapters. So if you need to go somewhere else, we give you that reference, but it really makes it very easy to read. And, and then, as I said before, every chapter is filled with lists, charts, tables, uh, really things that you can look at them and go, okay, I want to use that. Uh, there's good information, but I'm going to use that. And, uh, you know, in any of my books, uh, I've never had anybody say, you know, I haven't been able to find a chart that would help me. 
You know, there's always something in at least one of the chapters. And, it, and that's what I think is really cool is that, and first of all, I got to say this because I started off reading from front to back. <laughs> it's the way, you know, I just do things, you know, <laughs> and uh, then I, I quickly realized, I'm like, I don't need to do this because they are, you know, they are in such a manner in which you could just choose the topic you wanted. And what's funny about what you just said is that, so then I flipped forward and the first chapter I read was the one about time. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, that's something that I'm always dealing with. So, and it's, that's where I started, and uh, and it's right on the money there. You do, you know, it's not a you don't have to cover to cover type thing, and I and I like that. It's a that, that makes it a cool tool. You know, one of the things that you you, you also do is you have these incredible e resources like a sample advocacy plan, which I think is really neat because if you're starting to do this, not only do you have a chapter about it, designing the plan, but then you also have a sample one for them. But you also have um, 11 ways you can use Twitter and, and a bunch of other resources. Can you talk a little bit about making that extra effort to add additional resources? I mean, why do it? Uh, <laughs> one, people love it. So that's, that makes it easy. Um, and actually, they're not new things we made up. Uh, every one of those came from the book. And so what we do is we work with Routledge, our publisher, and choose anywhere between 10 and 15 that we think are most useful particularly the ones that would be a good handout. So like the 10 ways to use Twitter, that's a good one to share with other people. So you've got it in a PDF, you can run it off, uh, or you can email it out to people and you're not trying to, you know, do the old fashioned, uh, put the book down on the copier and, and try to figure it out. And so we do try to find the most practical. Now, the other nice thing is if you don't have the book, you still can use the e-resources. So when people go to my website and go to book downloads, they just pick any of the different books and there's all these downloads. And for the most part, you know, they're pretty self-explanatory. So uh, you can use them. If you like them, then you can get the book. That's, it's so cool. That's one of the things that I really love is that it, it really gives you an idea about what it is that you're talking about. And I would think it, it encourages you to get the book after you take a look at those resources because they're incredible tools that are going to help you be able to uh, use the book the way it's, it's meant to be. So good stuff and kudos to you for working on that type of, those types of resources because they are, I'm, I, I'm a fan. I love them. I mean, I'm a, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so thank you for doing those. You know, before we finish, What's one bit of advice you would like to leave our listeners with about advocacy and being an advocate? Well, it's something I touched on earlier, and that is you are an advocate. Uh, even if you don't realize it, you are advocating for things. And you have a choice to be an active advocate for whatever your concerns and issues are, or to be a passive advocate for just whatever is going on around you. And so I think that we need to recognize that we are all advocates and really embrace that uh, so that we can be a positive advocate uh, as opposed to a neutral one. That's excellent. And it's, uh, this is a great tool. Um, advocacy from uh, A to Z is an excellent tool for everybody to, uh, to check out. And I think you need to, to, to get yourself a copy of this. Bef you know, one of the things that I want to make sure that we do is if a listener would like to reach out to either, you know, to you, what would be the best way? Uh, the easiest way is through my website, which is uh, barbarablackburnonline.com. Uh, or you can Google Barbara Blackburn and Rigor, and I come up pretty much at the top. And Steve and I always joke that if you go to barbarablackburn.com, you get somebody who writes like terrorist books about Washington, D.C. So don't <laughs> go there. 
there's definitely Barbara Blackburn online. Um, there's ways to email me through that. There's a phone number so you can call me. Um, there are over a hundred resources. Uh, it's pretty easy. You can do one of two things. Uh, if you are a school leader or, or a district leader and you want to read some articles uh, specific to leadership, just go to Just for Leaders. Uh, if you want some leadership pieces and lots of other stuff, including for teachers, go to free. And there's everything from white papers to a radio show I hosted for a while uh, to podcasts like this. I post those kinds of things to the book downloads. Uh, just, just plenty of things on there. You do not have to register and you have copyright permission to use all of them. So lots of good resources and again, good ways to contact me. And uh, I, I am going to plug a little bit, Steve. Uh, you know, I do a lot uh, of work with schools and school districts, whether it is on rigor, whether it is on motivation, and that can be students or teachers, whether that is on advocacy, whether it is on leadership strategies impacting your culture. Uh, I do a lot of that on site, uh, but I also do a lot of it online uh, because these days with limited budgets, uh, it's a little tighter. And sometimes what people like is they don't want a full day. Uh, they would like some one hour sessions that build on each other. So please feel free. There's information on my website about that, uh, including comments from people I've worked with. And again, you can contact me if you're interested in any of that. Awesome stuff. And I will have uh, links to all, you know, to her webpage and all other areas of uh, um, Barbara, Barbara R. Blackburn's world. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that uh, you can find that uh, to help uh, link you and hook you up and uh, and uh, connect with Barbara. So uh, don't forget that all that information will be on my on my uh, um, show notes page for the podcast. So you know, Barbara, I, I can't thank you enough for talking with me today. I got one last question, and it goes like this, and it has nothing. It just is something that I think is awesome because of what uh, what you do and you do so well. You know, many of my listeners have probably thought about writing a book. You have lots of experience in this area. What advice would you give, give them about, you know, getting started on that first book? Well, I think the first thing you've got to do is, uh, and, and this is not going to sound normal, but uh, it is what I found very effective. It's an activity I do during my workshops. And that is to sit down and write a vision letter. Uh, choose somebody that you want to write to, colleague, you know, whoever. And imagine that it's a year from now. And in a year, you have submitted a book to your publisher and, and it is be, being published. Uh, and in your letter, you write about what happened. What did you do to get there? How did it feel? And uh, it's really a great way of, of setting that tone. Um, and, and I even have told people, you know, make a piece of paper that would have what you want your cover to be and go into a Barnes and Noble and find a book and put it face out and, and put your sheet on top of it and take a picture with yourself. Um, because what you've got to do is get that vision. Because if you don't have a vision, you're never going to do anything. And then you just got to start writing. Um, you can either start writing a book. You can start writing a list of things. Uh, I started out writing articles. Uh, you know, I found different uh, magazines for teachers and leaders and I would submit things. Some got accepted. Some didn't. Um, and if it didn't, and I got some feedback, it really helped me. Uh, but when I wrote my first book, I, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, who am I? How am I possibly going to write a book? And then I sat down and made a list. It was about student motivation. And I sat down and made a list. I said, what are all the topics about student motivation that I would need to put in a book? 
and there they were. And then I put them in an A to Z format and I started writing one chapter at a time. I didn't beat myself up over uh, writing all the chapters at one time. I, I would chunk things. And then I think the other thing that is important is write what you know. Um, so, you know, if all you've ever done uh, is teach and you've never worked with leaders uh, and you've really never been in a leadership role, write a book for teachers. Uh, don't jump into writing a book for principals because you don't know that audience as well. Uh, I wrote for principals later in, in my series and I wrote with someone who specializes in leaders. And I work with leaders enough that I'm very confident of my work, but I wouldn't have been those first couple of years. Uh, and so I think that's really important too. And then just, you know what, just write. It doesn't have to be every day, but you, you block some time and you go write. And if you don't know what to write, you write anyway. And you sit there and write, I don't know what to write over and over and over again. But you say, I'm going to write for 30 minutes. And that's what you do. Excellent. Excellent. I love that advice. And thank you so much. Great stuff. I love the idea of, you know, <clears throat> of taking a picture with your your cover in the book uh, that I love that idea. And then, you know, just kind of putting that out there where you can see it and keep reminding yourself, this is what I keep wanting to do. So let's do it. And, uh, but thank you so much for giving that advice. And, and Barbara, thank you so much for talking with me today. You know, it was great catching up with you. Um, advocacy from A to Z is an awesome tool for understanding, you know, how, how to be an advocate and learning how, you know, learning some of the steps there uh, and, and just understand we should be. And before I really close off, I also want to do this. Do you have, do you have a, do you want to do a commercial for anything you got coming out? Um, yeah, uh, I'm going to do two. <laughs> no, you know what? I'm going to do three because I feel like I need to, uh, something that came out in April was, uh, money for good grades and other myths about motivating your kids. And it's a book that is primarily designed for parents. Uh, it does have classroom connections all the way through and lots of things for teachers, but it is primarily designed for parents. So that came out in April, uh, coming out in late July, so it should be any time, uh, is Seven Strategies for School Improvement. So we take our compass model and apply it just to overall school improvement, not just rigor. And then uh, coming out in December, uh, one version came out last year in December, these are coming out now. I have two of my former grad students, and I, and I actually loved doing this, that I wrote with. And one of them, Melissa Miles, she and I wrote rigor in the language arts and social studies classroom. We did middle and high school last year. Elementary comes out this year. Um, and then Abigail Armstrong, and we did rigor in the math and science classroom. Again, middle and high school last year, elementary this year. And so for your teachers, I, I think those are good ones because we, we really have, uh, I've been getting a lot of questions uh, wanting more subject specific uh, examples and uh, like people have just jumped all over the math and science because that is an area uh, they like the language arts social studies but like I do a lot of work in Australia and and one they don't have social studies but they are really loving the math and science because they feel like uh, their teachers at the middle and high school level want those examples that are specific and a lot of times their elementary teachers don't feel equipped and so they like the strategies so uh, that's more plugs than you asked me for. Uh, but like you said, I write a lot. So. <laughs> yes, you do. That's, that's a prime example of what I was talking about earlier. I was, forget <laughs> trying to think of number 23. We're at like, what, uh, you know, 
400 and 300. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're definitely climbing on up there. So <laughs> Most definitely. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for being here today. Wish you the best and, uh, and uh, look forward to the next time we talk. Thank you, Barbara. All right. Thank you. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends. Hey, have you got some thoughts, questions, or ideas? I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me through my email at stephenmiletto at gmail.com. Stephen spelled with a V, and Mileto is M-I-L-E-T-T-O. And that's at gmail.com. Or if you're in the United States or Canada, you can call my Google Voice number at 478-353-5471. Love to hear from you. Thanks. Take care now.